Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side and the truth. Which Kelly are you? Edward. People call me Ned. I photograph what my conscience asks me to. Ned, they want to have him in the movie! Mad Max 2. It's my kind of movie. Shut up! Shut up! Your friend can't come back, Sarge. Oh, he's the same one, I'm carer. You're blind. He's an equal opportunity employer. The kids who are sick cannot do the hip-hop anymore. Welcome to another episode of The Curb, the podcast that takes a look at Australian culture, film reviews, interviews, and a whole bunch more. This podcast is proudly recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region, and I pay respects to their elders both past, present, and emerging. Now, while this show usually focuses predominantly on Australian films and Australian culture, taking a little bit of a trip this episode as we jump into the Scandinavian Film Festival, which is going to be screening around Australia well throughout July, all depending on where your lockdowns are. So make sure to head over to the website, uh, which I'll stick in the show notes and have a look and uh, see where you can actually catch this festival. Festival is scandinavianfilmfestival.com to check out all the details. Highly recommend doing that. It's a lot of great films being screened there. But in the lead up to this festival, you know, to get a little bit of interest, to remind you that there are a lot of great broad film festivals that come here to Australia. We're very lucky. We get German film festival, Jewish film festival, Russian, Korean, uh, Japanese, all kinds of different film festivals around the world. And it's really, really exciting. And one of the ones that kind of scratches my itch is uh, that I really enjoy the Scandinavian film festivals. A lot of beautiful films that are screened there. And, and you'll find out in this discussion with Christoph Wehrmeyer. He is um, from the Icelandic Film Center. And he is a really fascinating guy. And I'm really uh, greatly appreciate having the time to have discussed Scandinavian film or Nordic film. Uh, with him and you know certainly if you're uh, Australian and you watch SBS then you will have uh, encountered a lot of Nordic films uh, or TV shows on there and there's a lot of variety and a lot of interest in there and we touch on the thematic importance of that as well as the cultural importance too Uh, I found that quite interesting too so yeah Let's jump into this interview with Christoph. Once again, the website is scandinavianfilmfestival.com. I'll stick a link in the show notes. Make sure to head along and catch some of the films and some recommendations in this particular episode as well. Now, doing some reading for this, this is quite interesting because, I mean, I've seen Scandinavian films and I guess playing my ignorance a little bit, I I was not truly familiar with the the reality that Scandinavian films encompass a whole bunch of different countries. Um, And you particularly work with the Icelandic film festivals. Um, Could you possibly talk about the difference between uh, the, the, like, the different countries that kind of are encompassed underneath the banner of Scandinavian films? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm, I'm actually a hat of um, 
festival promotion. So basically my role at the Icelandic Film Center is to promote Icelandic feature films, short films and documentary films and TV series. And we work, we collaborate a lot with the rest of the other four Nordic countries. So usually when we attend Cannes or, or Berlin or Toronto, we are always there together also with the Nordic film sales companies. But it's an interesting question that you have. Are they, if you compare and contrast with the different kind of Nordic uh, like voices that you have <clears throat> there with all the five countries, there are of course many similarities. Um, they say that maybe, uh, you know, the Finns and the Icelanders, they have this kind of sarcastic humor. Um, and, and that is different with maybe the, with the Norwegians or Swedes or the Danes. But I think at the end of the day, there's one common thing that we can actually share with all the other, with the rest of the Nordic countries is that we are always able to establish believable characters, stories about, you know, daily life itself that also international audiences can easily relate to. But the Nordic countries kind of have this unique, authentic voice that makes it so believable that it's easy for the foreign viewers to relate. And I think different, you know, in terms of styles, I mean, uh, the Danes have this kind of uplifting, feel-good kind of elements in their films. And the same with the rest, of course, I mean, the Nordic countries, um, Icelandic films play a lot with the, the Icelandic landscape as well. It's not portraying the landscape just for the sake of having a landscape. The landscape itself in those Icelandic films usually mostly have something to do with the story itself. Um, one of my, talking about Nordic films, one of my favorite films from last year was, without any doubt, Another Round with Mats Mikkelsen. And, and, and there you have a film that really uh, you know, it, it really tackles, you know, it's about, you know, people, you know, uh, you know, they're alcoholics and, and they, one of their friends, they take a dive in their life and uh, in their lives. And, but it's still, although it has this kind of serious tone, there are some very great uplifting comic reliefs or few good uh, scenes in that film. If you t talk about this Icelandic film, that was remade in Australia with Sam Neill, The Rams, which was uh, here uh, coming, uh, you know, was uh, showing, yeah, we, it came out in 2015 and which was uh, in Cannes and we're really happy about that. But it has this, it was quite a sad story as well. But then again, there were some unbelievable funny scenes in Rams, especially when the younger brother shovels his older brother to the, on the way to the hospital. And just this one scene, and you never have seen this type of scene in any other films before. And, and you know, that's, I think, um, if, if you talk maybe with, like, Icelandic films, they are serious, but they are funny at the same time. But, of course, it's, it's interesting to also to see how they are being tackled uh, in Iceland and then how they're going to be, you know, analyzed or, or watched, you know, when they are show show being shown in in other like international in the international market, and um, you know, but I think at the end of the day, I think the Nordic cinema they have this uh, kind of serious tone, but it's so authentic, believable, and real life daily life you know characters that you the foreign audiences can easily relate to. Yeah, when it comes to presenting uh, Nordic cinema. Around the world, is there 
Do you find that these kinds of festivals, like the Scandinavian Film Festival, are really important in showing the breadth of what the the genres are available? Um, uh, be- yeah, sorry. Yeah, no. The only reason I say that is because I know certainly in Australia we have a, a channel that shows a lot of uh, Scandi noirs. Is you know I guess the the term that is. Um, you know, and the, the TV shows and stuff where the, the crime thrillers and things, and that's become its kind of its own genre in itself. Um, but there's, as you're saying, there's, there's comedies. There's so much more to these particular stories. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You have an, an, an interesting question because, you know, you were talking about the Nordic Noir, which is, of course, being very, has created this identity and image for all the Nordic countries and, 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 and likes in terms of, of those Nordic crime scenes, like TV series, um, and it has been like that for the I think fifteen minute, fifteen years or so. And um, but I think like uh, six years ago, I, I met uh, one of my foreign colleagues, and I said to them, you know, it's great to know about the Nordic Noir, and of course the Icelandic TV series also like showing the Nordic Noir uh, genre, you know, style came became a little bit later than that. I, I think it started with, you know, with, with Trapped back in 2015 and, and all those kind of crime series that came out of Iceland as well. And they've done quite well, you know, international-wise. But I think, I don't know whether you've seen it, but on the 17th of June on Netflix, original series, the miniseries, Capla, uh, which is K-A-T-L-A, was uh, streamed online on the 17th of June. I haven't with, seen it yet, uh, but I'll add it to my list. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah. You're, you should see it because what I was saying is basically six years ago, I said to my foreign colleague, I said, great to know about the Nordic Noir, but I think what will change is that you will probably, within a few years' time, you will start talking about this kind of supernatural noir genre. Which, what I'm saying that you will play with the folklore in each of those five Nordic countries. I think that could be that next best thing it's it's a mixture of drama folklore and well crime as well but i think that could be the next big thing but let's see what happens but i think as you said and it's it's important to have those kind of uh, you know uh, scandinavian film festivals so i'm i'm dealing with that as well you know apart from uh, you know uh, sub- submitting and, and and showing Icelandic films in, in those prestigious big festivals like Cannes, berlin Locarno, uh, Toronto, Venice. It's also important if you can create this kind of, um, uh, you know, Nordic or Icelandic film festivals and within or in, in, in numerous countries, because that's how your audience have can get a glimpse or like um, you know can at least see something out of those what's coming out of those five countries. And always good to have this kind of combination of art house meets uh, mainstream. And it's and it, I think you need to to create and uh, create continue doing it because you know you have your German film festival you have your French film festival but the Nordic I think and also I think with those crime series the Nordic war that has helped as well to create this awareness for Nordic uh, you know films or Nordic cinema mm. going a little bit more personal for for you in particular what does it mean to you know, have a national cinema or have a broad cinema like this uh, for you personally as as you know, your personal identity. Uh, does that, yeah, how does that feed into who you are? It's a great question. I would say, <clears throat> I can tell you something about that as well. 
<clears throat> I think it's very interesting to do this kind of what we have been doing, not only like presenting our like Icelandic films, uh, also like uh, being in the creative industry, uh, showcasing art, uh, you know, um, li literature and, 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 and music that, that does a lot for your own kind of identity and image. And, and I'm always amazed by the fact because I'm half German, born and bred in Germany, looking at the production output of, of Iceland films in comparison with Germany with a population of 85, 86 million people. Um, but I would like to add to this that uh, it's it, a few years, like two, three years ago, there were like a, a, um, a quantitative research being done among tourists coming to Iceland and 41.3 said the reason why I came to Iceland was because I saw this Icelandic film in my own home country. So in the long run, we create this kind of identity and image, and it creates curiosity about the country, uh, of your culture. And I think, uh, you know, using this kind of creative uh, industry in order to present your culture, but also like it really travels. And don't forget about the, the number of Nordic films that have been remade, uh, whether they're going to be as good as the original one. But, you know, I can't say, but this is, is doing a lot. And, and I, I think you, you will have more and more tourists coming to Iceland, basically going to a certain location because they want to see the location where this particular TV series, or this particular film was actually shot on location. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, certainly from my perspective as an Australian, I, I obviously champion Australian films as much as I can. That's it's part of, and it's the same kind of thing. People come to Australia because they want to see the, the landmarks they want to see what's going on so it's exactly it's nice to see that films and tv have that kind of push and that power uh and that kind of reach as well because you know the stories and the films and tvs that you know we embrace and we watch they yeah. are universal they may be spoken in a different language but they're universal right and that means so much yeah definitely and it actually on my bucket list i really it has been a dream to come to Australia. It's always been one of my, I've been traveling a lot around the globe because of, of the job that I'm doing for the Australian Film Center, but I would love to come to Australia. I love your films. And I have to say, um, actually Mad Max Fury Road, no one would, uh, I said to them one year before the film came out of the cinemas, I said, I think Judge Miller is going to create something. And although it's going to be a genre kind of mainstream film, it will definitely win loads of Oscars. And I think it won three or four, uh, best picture, it was the sound effects, I think, or, or uh, you know, because it was, it really, I know it was shot on location in Africa, but uh, the, the other three films were shot on location in Australia, but uh, you have uh, Bruce Beresford, you've got so many other great um, uh, directors. I also would like to maybe, actually what I will do, actually, I will give RIF, the Reykjavik International Film Festival, a call. Uh, before I go on my vacation, because I would love to see like an Australian film festival taking place in Reykjavik or New Zealand is actually one of my favorite countries as well. So as you said, I mean, you need to know, I mean, how can you create this awareness of, of different film culture? Well, you can do it by having a selection of films, uh, showing it in your country and, and, and you, you build and they'll come. But of course, with, with, if you continue doing so, continue doing so, the awareness will be there, but you have to create this kind of uh, availability of, of, you know, establishing this kind of events so people can actually explore uh, those type of, you know, films from different 
countries. Yeah. Talking about, obviously, we talk about travel, and that's kind of, for a lot of us, it's off the cards at this point in time. Uh, but, you know, cinema helps us travel. It helps us take us to different places. Um, how has the, the pandemic kind of impacted the, the film industries, um, well, in Iceland in particular? Yeah. Good question. Yeah, you, you wouldn't believe it. But uh, the truth is, during the first wave of COVID, um, they were actually going to start uh, shooting uh, Cadillac. And they had to stop for two weeks. And Baltasar Kolmak was able to present. Uh, he did this kind of presentation towards Netflix about how they could could easily continue filming the series. And they approved of his measures and, and extreme kind of precautions on set with, with uh, you know, nurses on set and, and all in like good social distance. And they pulled it off. And during the third wave of COVID, we shot six new films from the time period of August, September, October last year. And I think around the same time, um, the Norwegians uh, were able to shoot uh, called, it's, it's, a, it's a TV series called Exit 2. And they were shooting it during COVID as well in Oslo. But of course, with you know safety measures and social distance and all that. But yeah, it didn't, it, it, it's, I'm amazed by the fact that, you know, the industry was, they were still shooting films during, you know, COVID. Uh, also, I would like to mention that um, uh, in the north part of Iceland, in a town called Akureyri, they have a great kind of um, a concert hall and concert hall and a studio. And many, like a Netflix original series and some of the major uni uh, studio films, they were composing the music over there in the north of Iceland because they were able to do it. So they were actually creating and composing a lot of film scores for different productions from Netflix and some other major US studios. So it didn't affect uh, in terms of like shooting films. Uh, in, in my, for my role, people have been asking me, how has it been during COVID? I mean, I mean, how can you work? And I said, well, there's a lot of things that you, that you have learned during those 14, 15 months, especially working and creating uh, like preparing and, and doing this kind of uh, pitching and pre, uh, presenting your films uh, through online and hybrid film festivals. And I think that the world has changed. And of, of course, everyone is going to embrace, you know, when the world is normal again, hopefully that you will be there on site, you will visit the physical festivals, but there will always be alongside the, the physical festivals, there will be these kind of streaming platforms. And don't forget that uh, because many of those online festivals, usually when they had their own physical festival in this, in their maybe the main capital, maybe Copenhagen or something like Copenhagen Dogs was the first. Uh, it was a, it's a documentary film festival in, in Copenhagen. In March tw 2020, they had to change their plans, and within 10 days, they created this online platform. And usually, when the festival was like just a physical festival, mainly the main people or you know, attendees that, that attended the festival were like based in Copenhagen. But with the online festival, all Denmark had access to the festival. And can you imagine that kind of the wide range of audiences and, and, and in terms of uh, like market share? And it usually has expanded hugely and, and to great extent. So there will be, have, be more people being having access to films because maybe they could not afford going to that particular festival. So this has opened our eyes a lot and we need to play with those two different kind of platforms. 
Yeah, very much so. Um, so obviously, I, I'm talking to you because of the the Scandinavian Film Festival that's coming up here in Australia. Having a look at the lineup, I mean, I've always been impressed by the the Scandinavian Film Festival because uh, we're quite fortunate here in in Perth, at least, where we get you know the German festivals, we get the the French festivals, we get a wide array of international film festivals, and I always enjoy going along to the Scandinavian one because, as you were saying before, the landscape is so beautiful, and um, I just enjoy uh, the the particular accents as well. Uh, is really quite comforting to listen to. Um, but with this particular lineup of film, there's a wonderful array of films that are being screened. Could you possibly talk about some of the 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 ones that the notable ones that people might be able to or should seek out by any chance? I mean, the, the selection is quite good, and I have to be quite honest. Of course, I mean, I would love to clone myself so I would be able to see all the films in the world. Same. And, <laughs> I, and and actually, I love my job. I've been doing it for 14 years here at the centre, and you feel very passionate and and. It, and of course, it's very important for us to explore other films from other countries. And I would have loved to see all the, the other Nordic films. I always say Nordic films because Scandinavian is actually Iceland, Finland is not part of Scandinavia, but of course, Scandinavian is kind of a, a, a you know a, a, a label, an identity that everyone looks at everyone. But there are great films among those uh, you know Nordic films at the Scandinavian Film Festival. Um, as I said, I would say that. You know, I, I saw Hope, the Norwegian uh, film, uh, back at, at TIFF in 2019 uh, with Stella Skarsgård and this wonderful Norwegian actress. And this is, as I said earlier on, it's not easy to watch because it's, it's very serious. It is deals with this woman who is actually facing cancer just before Christmas time. I, and that's what I want to tell you about it as well, is that it, it really clicked with with, with you and with the audience, especially, I could easily relate to it because my late mother was actually facing cancer as well. But what I said, you can do it in such a believable way that I'm not sure that, with all the respect for the US studio films, and that's what I'm, I'm saying, the Nordic cinema somehow really kind of, it, it captures the right kind of authentic tone. I don't know how to say, also like dialogue-wise, and, and hope is really... Uh, it, it, it's a beautiful film, although it's very sad. Um, uh, the Immigrants, uh, we believe, Ullmann and, uh, and Max von Zito, it's, it's great as well. I didn't see the, because, you know, the, the adaptation, because, you know, I was quite young at that time, but in Iceland, when I moved from Germany to, to Iceland, I saw the, the TV series, which came out here at RUV, which is our national broadcast, it's similar to BBC, and that was like the TV series, and it still lingers with my subconscious mind because there were some really tough graphic scenes in that one, but it's still a classic and uh, it's a timeless, uh, I would say, film to watch. And then, of course, I mean, as I said, I would love to have seen all the other Nordic films, but of course, I mean, the Icelandic films are quite interesting. I mean, you, people should see Agnes Joy, The Country, from uh, that new film by Grimm and Hakonson, who did Rams. And then there's one wonderful film that it, it will... Uh, click with you i think you, you're gonna laugh your socks off it's called the last fishing trip it's like if i if i would pitch it to you i would say it's like sideways meets hangover but the Icelandic way kind of <laughs> that sounds and, good and yeah and and you know those five Icelandic films are all good your grandma hofi agnes joy the county the garden from ragnar Brasson. And, and as i said you know uh, quite serious films but with comic relief and some funny elements in them as well 
Fantastic. I, I really hope that your audience will, will enjoy the, the Nordic films shown at the Scandinavian oh, Film Festival. I know that when I've gone along to see them, like the audience is just, it's jam-packed. And the thing which I find really interesting, I go, you know, I talk about films a lot. I go and see a lot of films. And so I get to see a lot of the usual audience members and things. But going to see the Scandinavian Film Festival or, or the German Film Festival and stuff, there's a whole different group of people who I don't usually see. And so it's wonderful to see people heading out and embracing, um, you know, international cinema. It's yeah. really wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And, I, and once again, you have a great point there as well. It's also what I want to say is that it's so it's I don't know how to explain it, but it really gives you the, the goosebumps and it really when you're abroad launching your local films at some big prestigious festival, being there with their foreign audience, seeing the feedback, having this question, uh, question, you know, the uh, you know, at the end of the film, uh, audiences asking the filmmakers questions, uh, the Q&A session. It's it's so I'm so fortunate and happy. And, and privilege to be there in that particular screen, whether I'm in Venice or Cannes or Berlin or Toronto, and, and seeing how it's been, uh, you know, the reception and embraced by by the foreign audience. It's it's then you can actually say, wow, it's amazing. I'm amazed. Well, I'm not amazed by the fact that it's so beautiful to see how film films can travel and how they can actually bring audience together. And I think at the end of the day, all I mean, all the population on on this planet. We have so many, you, many you know, the films can actually betray and show how life is and it really can unite us at, at the same time. I, I definitely agree with that. And I think that's probably a wonderful way to, to wrap up. I, I really appreciate having uh, this discussion. Um, you know, when I, when I got the email to say, uh, this lovely gentleman is available to talk, would you like to talk? I'm like, I've never spoken to anybody about the Scandinavian or Nordic film before, and I would love to do it, and I've really enjoyed being able to do this with you. Thank you. was Christoph Wepmeyer talking about the Scandinavian Film Festival which will be launching very soon in Perth and will be unfurling around Australia throughout July. Uh, also he is the festival manager for the Icelandic Film Centre as well so I will stick a link in the show notes to all of this um, but hopefully you got a lot from this discussion. I certainly learned a lot and found um, there's a lot to actually glean and gain from understanding and respecting a different culture uh, while we can immerse ourselves in the dominant culture I guess is the American culture um, we are also better off learning and understanding and appreciating the different uh, variances in cultures around the world and we can do that through engaging in Scandinavian films, in Italian films, in German films, in French films, Korean films, all kinds of different films. There is a whole variety of cinema that we should learn to love and embrace. And again, as I said at the top, we are so lucky in Australia to be able to have these varied festivals uh, that celebrate international cinema in a way that we really should. And hopefully, look, um, yeah, fingers crossed that Christoph. Uh, takes the idea of having an Australian film festival uh, internationally to heart because uh, from my understanding there's not too many Australian film festivals around the world and that would be nice to see too. Uh, nonetheless, scandinavianfilmfestival.com is the place to go uh, and check out the film festivals themselves. 
And if you want to hear more interviews just like this one, then head over to curb.com.au to hear other interviews and discussions, reviews, few reviews for the films we're going to be screening at this year's festival. We'll be heading up on the website as well. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you want to go the extra step, then head over to patreon.com forward slash the curb au for as little as a dollar a month to help keep the website alive and going. I hope you're all staying safe and sound and looking after each other, folks, and I will see you on the next one. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.